Scottish government pledges almost $1 million to Gaza. Meanwhile, Scotland suffers a housing crisis. It's the latest in a monumental mess. Welcome to Constable Confidential. I'm Simon Constable. We go now to Loch Lomond, the beautiful Loch Lomond near Glasgow, where Fiona Campbell, CEO of the Association of Scotland's Self-Caterers, is waiting for us. Thank you for coming back to, to us. You are delightful. An absolute pleasure to be with you, Simon. So tell us about the housing crisis. The, 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 the donation to Gaza is relatively small in a global sense, uh, reflecting the fact that the Scottish government is uh, rather poor. So that's one thing. But there are almost greater needs in Scotland for money to be spent on housing. What have you learned since we last spoke? I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's really important to unpick those various subjects. I don't think it would be appropriate to say that it was inappropriate to put donations towards Gaza. There's clearly a huge humanitarian issue going on over there. And we should all be supporting it equally and with um, a sensible measure. But that doesn't divert from the issue that Scotland is suffering from an extreme housing emergency, even though the Scottish government this week decided not to call it a housing emergency. We all know it is a housing emergency. It's been a crisis for years. And this is based on decades of poor housing policy. But unfortunately, what happens throughout the globe, Scotland's doing it terribly well, is that they point the finger and scapegoat various sectors because it's actually easier than identifying troubles in their own policy and and working out what the solutions are and it was notable the the front page of the scottish daily mirror refers to hamza youssef who's the the chief the first minister of scotland and also leads the scottish national party which is the ruling party so hamza must declare a homeless emergency shelter chief demands government take immediate action with almost ten thousand scots kids trapped in temporary accommodation well, they certainly know how to write headlines there. That sounds truly awful. And that probably could be fixed with a fair amount of that $1 million. Let's put it this way. We need to build ourselves out of this housing crisis. That is the only way we're going to get out of it. They're tinkering around the edges with uh, short-term let licensing, with all sorts of other things. But actually, what we fundamentally need to realise is that demographic changes and changes in households in Scotland mean that the actually only way that we can get out of this crisis is by building. Now, obviously, the economic climate globally, but specifically in Scotland, is meaning that less and less houses are being built. So it is really critical, in my view, that the Scottish government and other governments need to actually look at this in a holistic sense, rather than thinking, got a housing crisis, let's blame it on a sector like the self-catering sector, and that's the silver bullet that's going to fix the housing crisis. It quite obviously isn't, and that's the bottom line. What policymakers fail to do is understand what policy, what housing needs there are. Not just that there's a housing crisis. We can't just expect lots of people to give out their self-catering houses and expect them to go to affordable housing. That is pie in the sky. And unfortunately, the narrative that this is going to somehow fabulously ameliorate the housing crisis can leave people very, very disappointed on the other side. Because what's happening is, which was always going to be the way, is that we're seeing lots of people just stopping self-catering and leaving their properties lying empty for family and friends as second homes. And, and that and doesn't help 
anyone. And, and let's go through some of the numbers that I, I picked up off the off the web in the news reports. 102,000 empty and vacant homes in Scotland, 17,000 self-catering units, and 24,000 second homes. That's people who've already got another home, possibly not living in Scotland most of the time, but but elsewhere. But the real thing that I found very, very sort of sadly amusing was that Edinburgh City Council has approximately 1,500 public housing units that are unoccupied. So that could be 1,500 families who could have a home. And you can times that by three if it was a family of three on average, maybe. Maybe it's a family of two. Maybe it's a family of four. But that's that could be 5,000 families housed in a trice. Why is that not happening? And why why is the government not saying, hey, if you've got these public housing, which is called council housing in the UK, why are they not getting people in there? Why aren't they giving it a lick of paint and getting the mould out and getting people in? Well, there's the question, Simon. There's the question. So if you look at this again, and you've got to look at all of these policies holistically and with data behind them. So there are 250,000 dwellings in Edinburgh, 9,200 odd of which are lying empty. As you say, 1,416 are specifically owned by City of Edinburgh Council. And the, that- sole, pur- and the sole purpose of those city council homes is not for them to remain empty. It's for them to serve the populace of people who can't afford to buy or to rent at commercial rates. Am am I, am I wrong here? No, you're absolutely correct. But unfortunately, again, it's much easier to point the finger at a sector that is globally being seen as taking away housing stock, that being the self-catering sector. But if you actually look at the statistics, and let's not forget over 9,000 empty homes, 1,400 of which are owned by the council, there are currently 1,171 self-catering businesses in Edinburgh on non-domestic rates. They are non-domestic rates, as in they're not businesses. So to try and suggest that they should be reallocated to housing stock is absolutely preposterous. This is people's livelihoods. And I said to one of the councillors back in 2018, he said, but we've got a homeless problem. And I said, okay, so if you close down all of the self-catering units in Edinburgh, you're talking five-star, high-end, beautiful properties in the centre of Edinburgh, what are you planning on doing with them? Are you asking those owners to give them away to homeless people? Or are you going to sell them to the city of Edinburgh Council? Like, what does this actually look like? And do you know what his answer was? Oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. I said, well, we, maybe you should do, actually. This is not the answer. We are needing affordable housing. We're needing all sorts of different housing. But the, the housing that's being freed up potentially by the short-term let legislation are either going to be lying empty or they're being sold and they're being snapped up at ever inflated prices by people from the South coming in and using them as second homes. Nobody's winning here. What is very interesting there, you mentioned the Edinburgh City Council. It is city councils that are responsible in the UK across the entire country. The, the local city council is responsible for saying who can build what and where and how. So to some extent, if there are not enough houses, am I right in saying that that is the local council's fault? 
It is down to the planning authority at the local council area. Exactly that. And if which which is run by, run by council, elected councillors. So Correct. it is basically those people who are in those committee meetings who don't approve the new build who are responsible, unless I've got something wrong. I mean, I just no. want to clarify no. here. That that is what's what what is going on there. What what is you're also- absolutely right. And actually, something that happened this week is that local councillors have uh, met to decide. They had decided that on one particular site, five hundred houses were going to be built, and they've just decided that it'd be much more sensible to build an industrial park instead. I saw and the headline. Keep- I saw that. I saw the headlines on that, and it said, "We we don't we don't want trucks and cranes. We we want houses for people." Now there are plenty of places where you can put trucks and cranes because basically you can do that in a car park or a parking lot, whatever whatever vernacular you want to, want to use there. And that that could be done anywhere. These these vehicles, these cranes, these diggers, whatever it is, the big trucks can be put anywhere. Housing cannot be put anywhere. Partly because of zoning, but also partly because it would could it make it could make it very inconvenient for the people who are living there if they were miles and miles out of the way and there was no bus service, for example. Correct, and and unfortunately, what we're finding happening specifically in Edinburgh is that they're very very happy to agree to planning applications for apart hotels or student accommodation because, funnily enough. There's more money in that. So call me a deep cynic, but it looks like they're not going to give planning applications or permission to housing developers. But also don't forget, housing developers are finding it very difficult to build at the moment due to economic pressures. But what we are finding is that thousands of apart hotels are being given planning permission, hundreds of student accommodation, and 98.5% of retrospective planning applications for short-term let properties for indigenous legitimate livelihoods are being rejected. 98.5%. They are using planning as a de facto ban for our sector. Again, it goes back to this narrative that somehow by doing that, it's going to be the magic bullet to fix the housing crisis. It's not going to be the vast majority or a significant amount of self-catering operators in Edinburgh and the rest of Scotland, I hasten to add, are people that use that It is their second home, but they are using it legitimately as a self-catering property while they're not there. Now, they are not going to sell it because it's their Scottish home and they're not going to rent it out long term because you're not going to be able to get rid of your tenant. So they are going to lie empty impacting the local economy, impacting uh, people's jobs and the onward supply chain and, and spend in the community. It's absolutely bonkers. Uh, this is this is bonkers. And I've, I've been writing about this for, for some years. The, the policy, the economic policies anyway, coming out of Holyrood, which is the seat of government in Scotland, seem to be preposterous and they can only really be blamed on the government basically getting the worst possible advice that they could and actually having to search that out among economists around the world. They'd have to find a really bad one and uh, that they were happy to take that advice, perhaps knowing that it was bad. One thing that is... I fear this is largely being driven by our friends at the Green Party. It, and well, unfortunately, it, 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 there's a political there's a political arithmetic piece here that means that they are literally the green tail is wagging the dog. 
And whilst that still carries on, we're all stuck. One thing that is is also very interesting, and it's the jewel, what I call the jewel in the crown of Scotland, and that is the Edinburgh Festival. We talked about this last time, but it is worth mentioning it, it, it again because something new has, has come up. The Edinburgh Festival is the third biggest festival in the year. And it's the only one that happens every year of those three. So the first one is the Olympics, and then it's the World Cup, uh, the, the Men's World Cup at the moment, but maybe it'll be the Women's World Cup too. But they are two massive things. The Edinburgh Festival is third to that, and it gets about half a million people a year. And now there aren't enough places to rent out. And one German comedian uh, writing on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, said he'd been quoted £9,000, that's well over $10,000, to stay in a flat, that's an apartment, for one month in Edinburgh, that would be August, during the festival. He's not coming back, says, that's it, not, not doing this. He's one of the people who are the attraction to the festival, which is why you go, you go to see the performers, across it, whether that's comedians, whether that's actors, various other people or musicians, and he's not coming back. Now, would I be wrong, Fiona, in thinking that he is not going to be the only person who's not going to come back? Of course not. And that's not just the performers. It's the people that are behind the performers. It's the guys that put these amazing shows on. They're not going to be able to afford £9,000 for a month. And if you look at that, then you add the enormous supplement being charged by hotels now. It's not rocket science. If you reduce supply, if you reduce supply, but the demand is still there, what happens? The prices go up. So the hotel industry is rubbing its hands in glee, thinking, excellent. They are sweeping up because all the self-catering units have shut down. But we've got to remember People do not stay in self-catering units or vacation rentals or apartments, whatever you want to call them, because they're just on a stag weekend. There's all sorts of reasons why people use that temporary accommodation, whether it's festival performers, festivals, production staff, all the people associated, guests going to see a month's worth of festivals, people that are uh, waiting for their insurance claim to pay out because their house is flooded, people staying because their son is in hospital, people staying to relocate their son at university, their daughter. There's all sorts of reasons why people stay in apartments and not hotels, because you need to take your dog. You want to be able to do your washing. There's a million reasons. But if you reduce the supply massively, which is what City of Edinburgh Council is doing, they've estimated that they're reducing supply by 80%. Actually, it's more than that if you deal with the planning and it's 98.5%. So where are these people going to stay? I, for one, will not be going to Edinburgh with my six children because I cannot afford it. If you look at house, hotel prices and, right and, and now, that, that gets to, they've gone up uh, through the roof. That gets to this point about the jewel in the crown. Yeah. What is Edinburgh going to be if the edinburgh festival is crushed because of lack of accommodation i don't see i mean Look cheaper, at cheaper, cheap accommodation is the the way to go for a festival some people taking very expensive accommodation usually movie stars and that's great and we love that but there's got to be somewhere for students and people on you know lower incomes um people just out of college who who, who are basically skint as, as we used to say 
and they mm. need somewhere to stay too. Is the festival going to be a very different festival or is it just going to cease to exist? Because once you lose the momentum in something, you can sometimes not get it back. And that is that is my thought going through my head is which of those two will it be? And do you have any thoughts on that? That we know yeah. we know so, that things are going to be more expensive, but does it is it going to be the death knell of the festival which has been going since World War II? The festival will continue. The festival will continue, but I cannot help thinking that the unintended consequences of all of this means that it will change irrevocably. Now, you've got to remember also that the the, the basis of the festival started with people renting out their own rooms in their own houses, so their own space, called home sharing these days. The Scottish government and the City of Edinburgh Council has made it so reprehensively difficult and expensive to get a and license. It's, and it's also, it's, also no a it's also a criminal act. Along yeah, if you with, do. Along with, right. along with burglary, mugging yeah. people, murdering them, it's somehow in the, the same category as that. I would think this was more of a civil matter. I mean, is, is it a criminal act to not wear your seatbelt? I don't think so. It's a civil infraction. Definitely might, might be, you know, a, 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 a small fine there, but this doesn't sound like a criminal thing to me that actually goes to hurt somebody. Do you know why? It's been made a criminal act. It, it seems It seems like, well, you could do that for library books too. You brought your library book back late. It's a criminal act and you will be hanged in the morning. We'd never have late library books then. Um, the Scottish government regulations are pretty much the most draconian in the world. In the world. And they're not just talking about a fine. They're talking about increasing the fine from £2,500 to £50,000. I mean, seriously. And that, so, that yeah, to put, I mean, put, it, put that in perspective, gonna... that, that's about six, I think it's a bit more than $60,000. That's a lot, a lot of money, even for people who are in America. And we know people in America are a lot richer than people in, in Scotland, um, which is, is, is it's, what it it's is. Costing... It's also costing roughly in the region of three and a half thousand pounds to go through the licensing process for a smallish apartment. So no wonder A, people are putting their rates up exponentially, but B, people are just not going to bother. So there is simply not going to be the required buy that is necessary to deliver the festival as it has been delivered for the last 70 years. That's a fact. So what's it going to look like? I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know for sure that this time last year, certainly the fringe was extremely worried about this. And so they should be. And if you've got senior uh, figures from, from the festival that come year on year, and they're simply saying, I'm just not going to do it. And they're saying that this is going to end up being a festival for the rich only because nobody else is going to be afford to be able to go and that just unintended consequences simon that's what all of these policies deliver it's unintended consequences i always say policymakers should sit around an enormous board paper board table with a big piece of paper and some big pens and go if we do this this is going to happen if we do that that might happen but they don't do that. They create policies in silo. And as a result, we end up with this cacophony of unintended consequences that hurt people, communities and economies. And nobody will put their hand up and say, 
do you know what, actually, I made a mistake. You know, we told them that this was going to happen in 2019. It's now happening. And I take no pleasure in the fact that I'm sitting here saying, I told you so. But they can still fix it, but they can't fix it because of this green tail. It's very depressing. And the green tail is still there. So if you want the good to go- news is the good news is that tail docking is still legal in Scotland. <laughs> if, if if you like if you like that that sort of thing, which not everybody does. Thank you very much, Fiona Campbell, CEO of the Association of Scotland Self Caterers, who is in the lovely Loch Lomond on the on the edge of that beautiful lake near Glasgow. And if you want to book tickets for the festival, do so soon while you can still afford it or get saving really fast. This is Constable Confidential. I'm Simon Constable, and that's it.